My name is Kyle Black. If you don't know me, I'm pastor here at Watershed. We're just, we're glad that, that you're here. We're glad that you chose to, to worship with us, to, to celebrate the glory of God with us. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and find your way to Luke chapter 6. We've already kind of embarked on this, this series we're going to do. Officially, we're, we're launching it next week as far as artwork and branding and all that stuff. But um, we're just going to work through this spring looking at who Jesus is, kind of meet Jesus. If we're to, to live our faith out like we, we lo- looked in the fall through the book of James, then we're going to have to know who Jesus is. Like We're going to have to see who he was, what he taught, how he interacted with people, and, and that way it then flows into that. So we're going to look at selected parts of Luke. I'm not going to go verse by verse, but when we get to those main themes that we see in Luke, we'll take those and, and dissect them. And then towards the end of the spring, we're going to look at some of the, 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 the first sermons that we have recorded in the book of Acts. So who was Jesus? Let's see who he was. And then let's see who the first church started preaching that he was. Like, let's see those first sermons and, and then how that points us to who we are in Christ and then eventually working our way into spending almost all of next year through the book of Romans, so, um, which is a big task. So we're kind of setting the groundwork so we can build on that um, starting next fall. So that's kind of where we are in a real short synopsis. So um, I just want to read our passage today first, and then, and then we'll kind of get into what we're doing, because at first we're going to jump around, which it'll make sense um, once we go. So if you will, Luke chapter 6, we're going to read verses 37 through 45, or 40, yes, 45, sorry. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 47, it says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And he also, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from the bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. If you will, pray with me as we ask the Spirit to to guide us through our time today. Father God, we, we gather before you just as a, a body of, of individual people just corporately together to proclaim your glory. God, and we just open your truth and pray that your spirit would, would impact our lives with your truth, that, that it would be applied to us in, the, in a, a surgical precision that's only possible by your spirit. I just pray that as we handle your truth, we wouldn't change it or mold it, yeah, that we would resist making it easier, but let it consume us so then our lives are changed. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen. And as you can see, today we're talking championing. I don't know if that's a word, but it felt good when I typed it, so I just went with it. But just talking about diversity. And, and yes, part of that's purposeful. Tomorrow, MLK Day. We're, we're, we want to be focused on diversity because we think that's an implication of the gospel. That, that we truly think that, that the gospel pushes people to diversity. And, and what we want to look at first is kind of how is that possible? How can we see people that are diverse? How can we celebrate differences and be united? And, and to do that, um, we need to look at just a, a quick verse in Romans 5. You can, you can flip over there if you want, but you don't have to. I just want to read this little section of, of Romans 5 because it sets up how diversity is possible so then we can work through the passage that we just read. Okay, so we're, we're kind of laying the foundation for what's going to be next as far as diversity. So I'm just going to read real quick in Romans 5. Romans 5.17 says that if because of one's, one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. And so what we see just in that one verse, we see that there's, there's actually, when we look at the, the human race, there's, there's actually two ways you can go. And, and Paul sets that out in, in Romans 17, 5, 17, that, that there's one person, Adam, who death and sin reigned. Because that's what, that's what Adam did. We, let, we, we looked at it last week in Genesis 1, God created man in his own image. But then we see in Genesis 3 that sin entered because of Adam. And so after that point, that original sin was passed into every person after that through their father. And so when we're looking at this, we can see that, that in one man, Adam, death reigned, disobedience. He brought sin into the world through him, and then that's been passed down. But if we looked, if you look like two chapters before in Luke 4, from where we are today, you see the genealogy, and Luke traces it backwards and it goes to Adam, it says the son of Adam, and then it says the son of God. And so what he does in that is he, he sets Jesus separate. He says he's not just son of Adam, he's a son of God. And that's what we need to understand when we look at because he's the one person who life is in. If one man by one man's death, Adam, and one man there's life, Jesus. So there's two parts that we can find ourselves in in hum humanity. And, and Jesus is different because he doesn't have an earthly father. And that's where everyone, he didn't inherit original sin because his father was God. This is very critical that we understand that. That's why, the, that's why we focus on the virgin birth because it's a, important. Because if, he, if Joseph was his father, then he is sinful just as we are. But he's not because he's God's son. He was given to us. So he frees us through his obedience when Adam enslaves us through his disobedience. And so when we look at this today, we're seeing that we can champion diversity. We can be champions of diversity because we can see that in Christ, we all have life. That in Christ, we're all united in him. And so when we look at that, we see people in Christ. And that's what you get if you go to Ephesians 2. Paul talks about it it's through Jesus. That we're, we're, that we're all one through Jesus. And then if you go into Revelation 5, Revelation 5, 9, they're singing a new song, and it says that, that by his blood you ransomed people out of every what? Tribe, language, people, and nation. Okay, and what you see, what's interesting about that in Revelation 5 is tribe, language, people, nation. Those are all different groupings of the human race. And that's what we need to understand. That's what I kind of want us to understand is that there's one race, there's humanity. 
there's different ethnicities that we have a problem with. And we need to go back to that and understand there's one race in Jesus that is humanity created in the image of God and valued because of that. It was what we talked about last week. And so now we can celebrate diversity. Why? Because we see that we're all united in Christ and it's been given to us that way. Because only through the gospel, only through Christ, will we realize that, that everyone has a fundamental worth and dignity. That's what we spent last week talking about the value of life, why we value life, because of the image of God. And then we take this a step further and say, okay, because everyone is valued, then there's no reason to separate people out. We're all united in Christ. There's one race. They're alive in Christ, or we're going to be dead in Adam. And so as we look at this today, as we look through what Luke gives us in chapter 6 and, and uh, Jesus is teaching us, is there's, there are really different characteristics or different traits that, that promote diversity. In, in that. And so that's where we're kind of going the rest of the time. But we need to realize first that it's in Jesus, in Christ alone, that we can find diversity. That there's not an avenue to be in a diverse people and celebrate the differences of people outside of Christ. This is not possible. Because we always will compartmentalize. The strong will always subject the weak. But in Christ, we see that everyone's value. Why? Because it was in Christ that they have that image of God that he sent to die to ransom many people. And if he's ransoming many people from every tribe, language, people, and nation, then we can celebrate diversity because he's grabbing people from everywhere anyways. And so we should do the same. And so that's kind of where we want to go with this is, is just championing diversity. Um, and so that, that first thing that we see, verses 37 to 38, I'll, I'll, I'll 37 through 38, I'll read them again. And then um, we'll, we'll move on. It says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. I'm going to stop right there because that's kind of where the transition to that verse. And what we see in that is relationships of those inside the church. Okay, verses 27 through 36, really 31, is, is talking about those outside. Love your enemy. Those would be those outside. And so now Jesus, as he's continuing in the sermon, he's teaching this. What he's talking about now is now we look at people within. Now we see our relationship between our brothers and sisters, and that's when we get these ideas of the relationships. And when we look at those relationships, we realize that those relationships are the catalyst of diversity. They're, they're what speeds up that reaction. That how people see those relationships from within are going to determine what they are with those outside. And so what happens a lot of times in church is we want to go out to everyone else and do these amazing things, but we don't do them inside. And we can't, we can't do that. And so our relationships are a catalyst with that. If you look at a catalyst, one of the definitions is that, that it causes a reaction, but it doesn't affect itself. And so if we're looking at our relationships within those people that are here, brothers and sisters in Christ, then we realize that those relationships are the catalyst of diversity outside because they should be happening inside as well. And there's two categories right there. You see, on one side, we've got negative, right? There's two negative. Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be condemned, right? Those are two negative aspects. So judging, one thing we need to do is, is people love to quote these verses against Christians, like you're not supposed to judge. But if we look at it, it's more of just being critical. It's, 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 I, I see it as someone that just looks at someone's life, and you're just critical of everything that they do. Like, there's no way they can ever make a right decision. Have you seen, have you thought that way about people? Like, they screw it up every time. 
right? They, they just do. And so it, every time you see them, then you're, you're, you, you have this cloud over you. You expect it to happen. And, and so when we look at this, we see we're not, supposed to be ju- we're not supposed to be so critical of everyone else because we realize that if we're critical of those within, how much more are we going to be with those outside? Right? They'll, never, they'll never make it. And the whole point is to take the gospel and go. And then condemn. We're not going to be critical of them, but we're also not going to pronounce judgment on them. We're not going to pronounce judgment on them. So both of those are negative aspects of these relationships, but they're connected to the positive side. If we look at the positive, it's going to say forgive, right? We should forgive people and you'll be forgiven. So to cease resist, re, uh, resentment, to forgive those people. Don't resent them. Don't hold that against Forgive them. And then what? Give. Give or grant some. Be generous to those people. And the connection there is that both, all four of those, the two negative and the two positive, show us something that, that what we go out oftentimes is reflected back upon us. So if we're going to be critical of other people, what happens? People are usually critical of you, right? That's just, you can see that in life that it works that way, that, that certain attitudes return to the person of origin. It just happens. In the same, 36, you can look at verse 36. It's talking about mercy. Mercy is the same way. If we extend mercy, then it, comes, it reflects back. People respond in kind, right? Don't you respond the way people treat you? If someone's always critical, you're going to find something because there's something that they're hiding, and you're going to poke at it until they realize that you know, and then you just keep going, Right? Because it reflects back. So judge not. Don't, don't criticize people. Why? Because then it's going to come back on you. And then when it does, it creates disunity. And it's the opposite of diversity. And so if we're going to be critical, then we're never going to be unified. We're never going to celebrate diversity because we're going to point out everyone's weaknesses and compare them to our strengths. And then no one is able to stand under that. And so that's why I say these relationships are the catalyst to diversity because it reflects back to who we are. If we, we think that we have a, a problem with diversity, we need to look at ourselves first. And that's a theme that will keep coming back as we work through this. That, and then if it's not going to happen on the inside, if we find ourselves to where we're not diverse, that we don't celebrate diversity, it's never going to happen if we go out. It's never going to happen. We're going to find people that are just like us and then we're going to criticize them because they're not perfect and they should be. And it never will happen. We just become bitter people that, that think that we're right all the time and that everyone's wrong. And that doesn't mean that we don't hold people to the truth. It doesn't mean that diversity, celebrating diversity and championing diversity doesn't mean that we throw everything out and everyone's okay. It means that, that we don't put standards on those whom we accept that weren't placed on us. And so in Christ... Are the relationships that we have, we get to practice that within us so that we can then go from outside of us. That's a catalyst diversity. If we can't do it here, it's never going to happen outside. It's never going to happen. We can act like it and we can talk about it, but it will never happen. And that's when we go to this next part, this parable. It's actually, in in verse 39, it's probably the easiest parable that Jesus ever taught to understand. Right? Usually you're like, what in the world did he say? Like, did I catch that right? It's easy. Can a blind man lead a blind man? No is the correct answer on that, in case you're wondering. Right? Will they not both fall into a pit? It's easy to understand, but it's so hard to apply. It's so hard to apply because we want to, to be people that are leading someone, but oftentimes we're leading them to where we ourselves aren't. And you can't do it. 
It, it, when I was reading this, I always go back to when we lived in Plainview. I taught at a, a, another, another elementary school. We had this kid. His name is Michael. He's legally blind. He's the coolest kid. He was fun. And we were on the edge of town. Some of you might have heard me tell this story, so sorry. Or you can fact check me, see if I tell the same details. But um, we lived on the, the school was kind of on the edge of town, kind of like this one that we're in. But people would come hit golf balls, um, like hit their wedge. And, and so they'd leave. They'd always lose some. And so every now and then we'd go find them because elementary kids with golf balls, not usually a positive thing when it comes into the school. It's just, right? So, and one time I had Michael, and I was like, all right, come on, Michael, let's go find some golf balls. And he looked up at me, and he's like, how do you expect me to find a golf ball? And I was like, that's a good point, right? He, he can see. But what he, what he understood is there is I need you to lead me to where I'm supposed to go. I need you to, to lead me to where I'm supposed to go. And that's what, exactly what Jesus is talking about, is that, that a blind person can't lead a blind person. Someone with sight has to do that. You have to be able to do that. And so when we understand that and we start looking at what Jesus is saying here, even as we go into verse 40, we realize that, that there's a consistency of diversity that has to be there. And it starts with understanding who you are. And that's what we get if, you'll, if you have to flip the page. Look at, look at verse 41. 41 and 42 and 40. Yeah, just 41 and 42. We'll go there. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Right? You've probably heard this quoted all over and over again. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that's in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own? And what we understand in that is if we're going to have a consistency in our diversity, we're going to have to understand who we are first. We're going to have to acknowledge our own prejudices first. We have to look at ourselves first because if diversity fails, it's because we're not seeing our own prejudices we're looking at everything else. We're looking at the speck in everyone else and we're forgetting the log. And that's another way where it comes back to us. It comes back to us. So if we're going to be consistent in that, we need to realize that we all sin. That we all have prejudices. That we all place those prejudices on other people, those expectations on other people, yet we often just let ourselves get by with anything. Right? C.S. Lewis talked about that in, in one of his books, that the person that I always, that I realize that I always forgive is myself. And so it was a, his way of, of looking through that, that that's how I'm supposed to treat other people. He was talking about love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you always forgive yourself, why can't you forgive everyone else? Because most of the times you forgive yourself for far more than you're willing to forgive other people for. We have to look at ourselves. We have to understand that we our prejudice, that it happens, and sometimes it's taught. Sometimes it's taught, and it's experiences, and sometimes you, you, you interact with a person, and you're like, you've got to be kidding me, and it's a valid reason to not associate with that person, but then we take that prejudice for whatever they looked like, or whatever they did, and then everyone that looks like them, or is similar to them, becomes just like them, and we automatically cast judgment on everyone. If we're going to have a consistency of diversity within our body, we have to see our own prejudices first. We have to see that. And so uh, an easy way to apply this and to understand that is that, that we realize that diversity comes through like introspection, like looking internally, and then it goes out. That we can't change, we can't just be diverse if we don't ever look at ourselves. Because oftentimes we're the problem with diversity. We're the ones not celebrating differences because we expect people to be like we want them to be. And again, that doesn't mean that we just let everything go, but you have to 
have relationships with those people, and you have to know who you are. That if we're going to be a diverse people, we have to acknowledge that we're prejudiced just like everyone else. That somehow in Christ, it doesn't magically take those away. We just understand that there's something better. That there's a better way to see people. That there's a better way to acknowledge that. And, and that forms a consistency. Then we're able to acknowledge that, and it just happens. Diversity just happens if we're doing this. That's why we can see that we are hypocritical if we tell other people to do something, like the end of verse 42. First, take the log out of your own eye. Go to yourself. Look at who you are. Acknowledge your prejudices. Repent of those. Go before the Lord. Pray that he allows you to overcome those. And then what? Then you can go point out where other people are doing the same thing. But we can't lead people where we're not going ourselves. And that's what we don't understand about society right now. Is they, they look at the church and say that you're not diverse, you don't celebrate this, that everyone's not equal. And a lot of times they're, they're accurate. Because we haven't been that way. If you want to go back all the way like, to, to the beginning, we, we celebrate the origins of our country. They were wrong on slavery. Solid Christian men and women were wrong. And we have to repent of that for them, but we have to try to make that change. Because we might not enslave people, we, we do so functionally and we don't allow them to join us. We don't allow them to be who they are in God. I have a friend, his name's uh, Jeremy Douglas. I had a, a friend from college, I talked to him all the time. But he was in, in, in where we were, in our, we had a, a Christian service fraternity. Basically, we just talked a lot, but every now and then we'd do stuff, right? And, and, and Jeremy, he was, the, he was, he was the, the, the one black guy in our group. He's a great guy. I loved him. He's awesome. I still talk to him all the time. But we were helping this lady one time put up Christmas lights. That's service, right? You get to climb on a roof, you know. And it was this big, fancy, amazing house. And we spent all morning, all Saturday morning, all morning putting up these Christmas lights. And then we had to go move to the back of the house because she was kind of on a corner, so there was a light on every side. It was kind of ornate. Like, they were designed the perfect way. And so everyone, she's like, yeah, y'all come through. And she says, oh, not you. you got to go around back. So this one guy that had been on her roof all day long putting up Christmas lights wasn't good enough to walk through her room. And if that's not bad enough, the next day she was worshiping. It's ridiculous, right? That's why people see that. He understood. He understood the, the injustice in that. And he was all right. We, we still joke about it all the time. Like, hey, maybe you should. But it's sad, isn't it? It's sad that, that he was good enough to put up her Christmas lights but not walk through her house. But she was worshiping on Sunday. That's why it's people like that, that that give Christians a bad name because they don't understand the own prejudice in their heart, much less anyone else. Because he was a far better person than she ever has been, at least that's what's demonstrated. We have to see our own prejudices if we're going to have a consistent, diverse family committed to glorifying God. And finally, when we look through this, we see the, the, the character of diversity. Look at verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each, time, each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered by thorn bushes and grapes picked from a bramble bush. All right? And so what we see in that is that, that people know us by our fruits, right? They, they see what your life looks like. It's not hidden. If you have neighbors and you're around your neighbors, they know who you are. They know what you're like. You can't hide that. They see you. They, they peek out their blinds 
to see what you're doing when they hear you, right? Do you do that? I did that yesterday. I heard something outside, and I'm like, peeking out the blind, like, what's going on, right? You do that, right? So you know what's happening. There's, there, if you're on a block like ours, the, the, we had Mr. Craig lived on our block, and Mr. Craig knew everything about everyone that happened. Because he was retired, he stayed there all day long. We had the best neighborhood watch, Mr. Craig. He had it locked down. Right? You, your neighbors know who you're like. And so if you want to come into this idea and say, I'm a critic, we're going to treat everyone equal, they're going to be like, well, that's not how you act every other day. Right? You're known by that. People know you. Our, our view of diversity is seen far before our words are heard. What we, what we champion in our lives is seen far before we have a voice to tell. And that, that, should, that should kind of rattle us, right? That should, that should rattle us that, that the people that we're trying to minister the gospel to are going to see it far before they hear it. And oftentimes, and in our society today, as it should be, it centers on diversity. Do we, are we a diverse people? Do we celebrate the differences of people? Because if we don't, then we're not gospel-centered. We don't understand that. And see, what happens here, and, and maybe, well, here, we'll just read verse 45. It says, The good person of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. See, again, it's seen. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, what's on the, the inside is what's seen. And what happens here is we start to rationalize. If you're like me, this is where I rationalize. This is where I start to rationalize. Well, but I, I, I do what I can. Or I'm not around many different people. And, and we start rationalizing that. But what we don't understand is that even by rationalizing, we're displaying the character that we have. If, if we have to rationalize while we're not diverse, then you haven't looked who we live around. Because we, we're an incredibly diverse area. A lot of that is because of the army, right? Everyone comes in, and then they leave, and the same people come in. It's just a chaotic upheaval of different types of people. And that's not just ethnicity. That's economically. That's economically. I, I joke about it at the school. We had this, we have a, a person that has a real fancy car. It's amazing. And then it was, when they first pulled in, um, it, it's a Maserati, in case you want to know. Okay, they pull in, and literally right behind them was like a 92 Astro van. <laughs> right? And I'm like, look at that. I'm like, that's amazing. It's like, this car's literally worth like 18 of those. And plus some. But we live in a, ethnically diverse, but we're also economically diverse. So we can't get stuck on ethnicity and think that that's the only way that we have to celebrate diversity. We have to do it in all those ways, economically, ethnically. It all happens. We are different people, and we live in an incredibly diverse area, so we should be incredibly diverse. And that doesn't happen easy. I get that, that a lot of times that's on those people, too. That a lot of times it's like, well, why aren't you diverse? Well, because you won't stay. Because you think that we're not. And, and, and some of that is, is personal preference. But if it's because we're not welcoming people and because we're not saying that, that, that everyone is welcome, then the problem is us. It's not exclusively us, but we have to own up for our part far before we can expect them to come in. It has to be a place, we have to be a place that does that. We can't rationalize that. Because we can't say that we shouldn't be diverse because our area is diverse. There are some places where that, you, it's a lot less. But we don't have that luxury. 
And actually, it's, it's, it's kind of boring if you're not diverse, right? If everyone's like you, I'm a pretty boring person, right? I would, I would hate to be around myself all the time. Diversity is where it's exciting. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you have this character diversity? How do people see it? The easiest way is you ask questions. So we've talked about that over and over again. Ask questions. You have conversations. Stop talking about yourself. It's easier but you don't learn anything about anyone. Ask questions. That's what's amazing about our small groups. We don't, I don't know anyone. Well, ask a question. Maybe you'll get to know them. Maybe you'll find that you actually have something in common with them, and you can celebrate while you look different, different circumstances, different things in life, but yet you have these commonalities. One being you're in Christ. That should all be that matters. Perceptions of people matter, and I used to argue with my dad about that. Because he always worried about what people thought. And in my youthful wisdom, I told him he was stupid in that. Right? It doesn't matter what people think. Why do you care what people think? I remember having these conversations. Why does it matter? Well, it matters because what people think is what they're seeing. And if it's not a positive thing, then you realize, wait a second. I'm being judged by the fruit that I am. So I am really a good person. That good fruit's coming from. I'm celebrating diversity. I can accept people for who they are because I'm a good person. I understand the gospel. And if they don't see that, the only other alternative is that you're the evil person in the story. That you don't do that. That you set yourself higher than everyone else. Our character of our diversity is going to be seen by people far before they hear it. And we should welcome those in. It's exciting to meet people from different places and understand that. All you have to do is ask questions. It's amazing. I'm like the oddball of some of my friends because I'm the only one that's only lived in Texas, right? Sometimes I think that's because I'm smart, and other times I, I think that that's a disadvantage. Right? I haven't seen all those places. But we should still celebrate that. We should go over. And the, the biggest thing that we need to understand is we kind of, kind of wrap all this up and we champion diversity. We want to be a diverse people. We want watershed. We want to pray specifically for a diverse people to come in because then those people go into their areas where we can't get into and the gospel message is proclaimed to people that I can't proclaim it to. But the big question you have to ask yourself is, do you believe the gospel more than you believe your prejudices? Do you understand who Christ is and what he did for all these people deeper, richer, stronger than you do your prejudices or what people say those other people are. Because what, how you answer that question is going to determine the level of diversity that you champion. Because if we believe our prejudice is more than the gospel, then we don't understand the gospel. We haven't been saved by grace through faith in Christ. Because the gospel mission hinges on diversity. Why? Because at the end, when it's all said and done, he's won, right? That's what we always get to say, Jesus won. Like the end, we know the ending. But what happens? Don't you want to join in that song to where that his blood has ransomed people from every tribe, nation, language? It's amazing. And it, it, it's fun that we talk about that. This last week, they sent out, Matt Chandler is the president of Acts 29 that we're a part of. They sent out a, just an update about the network. We're now, I'm, I'm going by memory, so I'm pretty close, I hope, is that, that now there's there's almost 600 churches in Acts 29 worldwide, 28 different countries. And every Sunday, so depending on time-wise, every Sunday the gospel is proclaimed in 15 different languages just through our network. 
What an amazing thing to be in a diverse global family of churches. And so we can be a diverse family here that then the gospel goes out because the gospel message hinges on whether or not we're willing to accept everyone in the diversity because in Christ there is one and there is righteousness that comes from him. Let's pray.